This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Now, here's Frank Morano. I try not to talk about politics so much on this show for a few reasons. One, I feel like there are so many shows that discuss politics that maybe by the time the overnight hours come around, you need a little bit of a break. You can't just do 24 hours of politics nonstop. The other thing is I really think there's so much more to life than politics. There's uh, obviously you just heard in the last hour space and the stars. There's movies and pop culture. There's sports. There's music. There's uh, the, 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 the culture, the human condition, technology, AI. There's just so many things to talk about. And I think it's almost lazy, honestly, to focus on the narrow, narrow aspect of the world that has to do with electoral politics. That being said, I am interested in what goes on in the uh, in the world of politics. This is something, though, that I think transcends the world of of politics. I honestly don't know who I'm going to vote for at this point. I'll be very honest, though. I have been very impressed with uh, Robert F. Kennedy Jr.'s candidacy. He said a lot of dopey things, but he said a lot of things that I find myself agreeing with. And even that when I don't end up agreeing with him, I'm glad that he's running and I'm glad he's raising issues that would otherwise be ignored. So I've been following his candidacy pretty closely. He's been kind enough to come on this show once or twice. And I've been following his candidacy pretty closely. And the thing that I've been amazed by is that given his family history, the history of his father, his uncle, other members of the Kennedy family. He has been denied Secret Service protection. And I thought for sure that once he started doing media interviews, talking about this, once his wife started going out there doing media interviews, talking about this, that ultimately the Biden administration would tell the Secret Service, okay, let's let's not be caught embarrassed here because one, I, I don't think Joe Biden wants anything to happen to Robert F. Kennedy Jr. But even if something did, even if he didn't didn't care about Robert F. Kennedy Jr., if, God forbid, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. is assaulted or, heaven forbid, killed, that would look very bad for the Biden administration because Robert F. Kennedy Jr. has been talking publicly about how he's been denied Secret Service protection. Well, now, Robert F. Kennedy Jr.'s Third request for Secret Service protection has been denied. In this letter that was obtained by NBC News, signed by the Department of Homeland Security Secretary Mayorkas, they said that uh, Secret Service protection for Kennedy is not warranted. And the letter's veracity was confirmed Friday night by the Kennedy campaign. Um, This is what the Homeland Security Secretary wrote to... uh, in response to declining the Secret Service protection. 
I have consulted with an advisory committee composed of the Speaker of the House, the House Minority Leader, the Senate Majority Leader, the Senate Minority Leader, and the Senate Sergeant at Arms. Based on the facts and the recommendation of the advisory committee, I have determined that Secret Service protection for Robert F. Kennedy Jr. is not warranted at this time. Department of Homeland Security did not respond to a request for comment. So Kennedy has now submitted three separate requests for Secret Service protection since launching his campaign in April. Each one has ended with the same result. Denied, denied, denied. Federal law authorizes Secret Service protection for major presidential and vice presidential candidates, and the Department of Homeland Security secretary is given authority to determine who qualifies as a major candidate. That's in consultation with the top congressional leaders in the House and the Senate. In 2017, criteria were established to help guide the Department of Homeland Security's decision-making, including a threat assessment conducted by the Secret Service to determine whether the candidate is in danger and whether the candidate meets specific polling thresholds. For independent candidates, the threshold is polling at 20% or more. Historically, Secret Service protection has been reserved for the two major party nominees and their vice presidents, though others, like Herman Cain in 2012, Ben Carson in 2016, they received protection just under one year before Election Day. Now, the Kennedy campaigners argue that Kennedy meets the criteria to receive protection. Um, They provided a 67-page report from the security firm that Kennedy hired detailing unique and well-established security and safety risks aside from commonplace death threats. Now, by the way, keep in mind, they've already found someone breaking into his house twice. They came, arrested somebody, let him out the same day. He came and broke in again. So uh, in an interview with the Desert News in October, Kennedy said he spent almost $2 million on private security. Now, he has called Kennedy the Department of Homeland Security decision political, saying it's part of this trend of our enforcement agencies being weaponized to serve a political agenda. I have to tell you, Kennedy is polling better than any independent or third-party candidate in more than three decades. He clearly, because of his family history, I think warrants special consideration. And, I, you know, Joe Biden, keep in mind, has two of, of uh, two Kennedys, two members of Robert F. Kennedy's family in his administration. His niece, uh, no, his cousin Caroline is, I believe, the ambassador to Japan. And his nephew, Joe Kennedy III, which we could talk about why he shouldn't be called Joe Kennedy III, his nephew, Joe Kennedy III, is the envoy to either Ireland or Northern Ireland. I think it's Northern Ireland. But even if he had... By the way, he has got Robert F. Kennedy Jr.'s bust in the Oval Office, which he put up. It wasn't in there when Trump was president, but now there's a, a marble bust of Robert F. Kennedy in the Oval Office that Biden looks at every day that he's in the Oval Office. And yet they are still denying this man Secret Service protection. I have to tell you, uh, I think this is really petty. I think this is an attempt. I, I don't think they want anything to happen to him. I really don't. But I think this is an attempt to drain his resources by paying for his own security. 
And that's not right. This is, I believe, the Democrats and Republicans, because as Mayorka said there, there were Democratic and Republican leaders as part of this advisory committee. This is the Democrats and the Republicans trying to force Kennedy to spend millions on private security so that he doesn't have that those millions of dollars to do things like work on ballot access, to do things like um, spend money on ads, trying to reach voters. I think this is completely and overtly political. What do you think? 800-848-9222, 800-848-9222. Here's Robert McDonald. He's a retired Secret Service agent. He was on News Nation describing some of the criteria that candidates go through, including some of what I just mentioned, in terms of getting Secret Service protection. Traditionally and statutorily, the Secret Service protection of major presidential and vice presidential candidates would take place 180 de- or excuse me 120 days prior to the election uh, in this time in this age when there are uh, social media threats and all sorts of other ways for people to make threats about against candidates that we didn't have in years gone by many times uh, protection is afforded prior to that 120 day mark so uh, I mean what he said there is factual, and I guess it's not that much of a departure from what we've seen before. But when Robert F. Kennedy Jr.'s uncle, Ted, ran for president against Jimmy Carter in 1980 in the primaries, Carter approved Secret Service protection outside of that 180-day window. And keep in mind, Ted Kennedy was running against Carter himself. Carter approved Secret Service protection for his own opponent. Why? It's not because he loved Ted Kennedy. He certainly didn't. It's because he realized how bad that would look if something happened to Ted Kennedy the way it did to John and Robert Kennedy. I honestly think this is reprehensible on Biden's part. And uh, I would hate to think that they would like something to happen to Robert F. Kennedy Jr. because I don't think they do. I think the blowback that that would lead to in terms of uh, people being furious with Biden would be very real. And I, I know a lot of people just view Biden as purely evil. I don't uh, I don't think he wants someone hurt or killed that's running against them. I don't. And honestly, if you look at some of the polling, it looks like uh, Robert F. Kennedy Jr.'s candidacy may actually hurt Donald Trump's candidacy a little more than it hurts Biden, although he that's far from determined. Uh, He seems to draw support from across the political spectrum, left, right and center. So it's not as if Kennedy in the race guarantees a Biden win or guarantees a Trump win. I think this is an attempt to waste his resources. I really do. I think that's what this is all about. But whatever the reason, I think this is shameful. I think this is absolutely shameful. I'd be curious to hear your view. 800-848-9222. On Monday... I alluded to this incredible video that I had seen right before the show, and I posted it on my Facebook page. I'm hoping some of you watched it, of former House of Cards star Kevin Spacey reprising his role as the show's lead character, Frank Underwood, in an interview with Tucker Carlson. Now, this was a little strange. It was posted on Sunday on Christmas Eve. It was a little strange. But it was wonderful. I watched the whole thing. It's about seven minutes. It's surreal. So just understand the the background here. Kevin Spacey plays a character on House of Cards who, I don't want to give any spoilers away, but he ultimately becomes the president. His name's Frank Underwood. He's kind of a, I believe he's from North Carolina. And it might be South Carolina. I think he's from North Carolina. And he's basically a 
conservative. No, it's South Carolina. He's basically a conservative Democrat and a master political tactician, very ruthless at times. Picture part Lyndon Johnson, part Tom DeLay, part uh, Donald Trump, right? Before there was a Trump. So, and I loved the first season of this show. First two seasons were, second season was very good. Third season was uh, decent. After the third season, it was tough. And then in the middle of him being on House of Cards, he gets canceled. He gets accused of sexual assault by a variety of young men, and Netflix fires him. No trial, no conviction. They fire him. And Frank Underwood, as Kevin Spacey, posts a video on social media after being fired in character. Now, think of how weird that is. This is a couple of years ago, around Christmas time, where you have somebody in character, commenting on real-life events. It's very weird. This is even more bizarre, but it's wonderful. Because you have Tucker Carlson, who was let go from Fox News, interviewing Kevin Spacey, who was let go from Netflix. But keep in mind, he's not interviewing Kevin Spacey. He's interviewing Frank Underwood. It would be like if... Uh, Sylvester Stallone came in here to talk about boxing and his analysis of what was going on with boxers. But I'm interviewing Sylvester Stallone, not as Sly Stallone, but I'm interviewing him as Rocky Balboa. That's basically what this video is. You have a real life news personality, Tucker Carlson, interviewing another formerly canceled actor, Kevin Spacey, but the actor is in character commenting on real-world events. It's wonderful. I mean, I loved it. This was right up my alley. So um, what's amazing is, as I said, they talked about where the country was going, right? They talk about the direction America is heading in. And they talk about basically Frank Underwood potentially running for president in 2024. Now, keep in mind, Frank Underwood is not real. He is a fictional character. This is Tucker and Kevin Spacey. Fear, fear, and then some more fear. That's been the consistent theme, fear. And that's why I'm going to keep saying we need to get some adults back in the room. Sounds like you're running. If you did run, I assume it would be as an independent. Well, I've always been independent my whole life, no matter what my party affiliation, even though at the moment I don't quite recognize my old party. So at what point would you get in if you did? Well, I think there's time. I've never been afraid to show up a little late for the dance. But lots of people want to be president. What would you specifically bring that others aren't? Well, I think I have a long and very solid relationship with the public. And that's a bond that has never been broken. I mean, I've almost felt like I can talk to them directly. Well, I mean, you do talk to them. Every Christmas you give a statement. It is Christmas Eve. What is your statement specifically this year? You know, Tucker, I think it's just good enough to sip some eggnog and decorate the tree and listen to White <laughs> Christmas and embrace all the things that make this such a special day. The truth is, I love nothing better on this day than to do a line of blow, drink a whiskey and Coke, hit a reindeer with my car, and wish you all the naughtiest Christmas ever. Now, I want to explain that line because you have. this is one of those things where you kind of have to see the video. If you're not familiar with House of Cards, what would happen 
was routinely the character of Frank Underwood would almost do these Shakespearean asides to the audience where he'd be acting and uh, he's he's talking with, uh, you know, one of the one of the campaign managers or uh, another congressional leader. And then right in the middle of the conversation, he kind of turns to the camera and speaks directly to the viewer like he's Zach Morris on Saved by the Bell. And none of the other people in the episode see what he's doing. It's only for us, the viewer. So when he begins that line but well, by saying the truth is there's nothing more than I'd like to, but, 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 but I'll replay it for you. He's not talking to Tucker. He turns to the audience and breaks the fourth wall. But what's amazing about this is this isn't a scripted TV show. <laughs> he's interviewing him about real world events. I mean – I think this is just one of the, the dandiest things that has ever occurred. Uh, again, this is um, Frank Underwood being interviewed by Tucker Carlson. Uh, and decorate the tree and listen to White Christmas and embrace all the things that make this such a special day. The truth is, I love nothing better on this day than to do a line of blow, drink a whiskey and Coke, hit a reindeer with my car, and wish you all the naughtiest Christmas ever. You know, you and I have something in common, actually. Oh, yes, we both got canned by our network. True. But they actually tried to kill you. Yes, but here we are, Tucker, bigger than ever. <laughs> Again, I love the blending of real-world events and fictional events. So uh, they spoke a little bit about their former Netflix, uh, excuse me, their former networks. Tucker Carlson had a question for Frank Underwood. Do, do you think within Netflix and the leadership suites that your influence is still felt? Well, according to your research, my influence is felt every time every customer opens the app. I'd say that's pretty powerful. Oh, that's true. When are you getting back to work, by the way? Oh, I've been back at work from the moment we started talking, Tucker. So does that mean this is like an episode or is it real? Well, it's probably a little of both. I mean, Tucker, what's true, what's false? What's life, what's art? What's real, what's performance? I love it when these things intersect because then... It gets interesting. What role do you see yourself playing going forward? I will play whatever role the public wants me to play. And what about you, Tucker? What role do you want to play? I mean, if I run, I'm going to need a vice president. I'll sleep on it. And then at another point, uh, he asks, he asks um, Frank Underwood, he says, how often do you watch Netflix these days? And Underwood responds, probably about as often as you watch Fox. So I thought that was uh, I thought that was really interesting and delightfully entertaining for seven minutes. Very creatively done, as far as I'm concerned. All right, eight hundred eight four eight ninety two twenty two. Talking about uh, Robert F Kennedy Jr. Should he get Secret Service protection? And what do you make of the fact that the Department of Homeland Security has now declined him for a third time? Eight hundred eight four eight ninety two twenty two. Let me begin with Alan Yonkers. Hi, Al. Good morning, Frank. Happy holidays. Likewise. Thank you. Yeah, you know, I think, uh, yes, absolutely, uh, Robert Kennedy Jr. should have uh, Secret Service protection. To me, it's like your own opinion. It's an outrage. Uh, We've seen through history, uh, we never know if a would-be assassin could be lurking. We remember what happened with George Wallace, with Arthur Bremer, and Gerald Ford in his short term as president within a couple of weeks. Uh, two would-be assassins, uh, Sarah Jane Moore and Squeaky Frome, uh, both in the state of California, took pop shots at him. So I agree with you uh, wholeheartedly that uh, he, uh, Robert
Robert Kennedy should a junior have Secret Service protection? And I do believe, not that, of course, I'm a President Trump supporter, but I think if he still was the president, because uh, he wouldn't be petty and he would want to make sure everybody is protected, I think he would try to influence the Homeland Security to definitely give Robert Kennedy Jr. Uh, the, the protection he is warranted. Yeah, I, I I, mean, obviously I have no way of knowing, but I tend to think you're probably right, Al. Thank you. 800-848-9222, 800-848-9222. Joaquin is in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. Hi, Joaquin. Hey, Frank, buddy. Listen, first of all, we got to give some enunciation uh, tips to some of the people that, that, that announce you, because every single time it sounds like they're saying Verano. It needs to be taught to say Morano. All right. Well, I, you know, I have not heard that uh, that complaint from anybody other than you. Oh, maybe you should hire me. Anyway. Okay. If I had the yeah. means, believe me. Hey, you know what? Yes, without a doubt, I believe that uh, he should be given Secret Service protection. But you brought so many things up. I, I want to point something out about Tucker Carlson. Do you know when he lost his gig? Um, it was about, I guess, seven months ago. Well, no, he lost his gig right after he did that piece on the uh, QAnon shaman where he showed the video of him being escorted by the D.C. police around the Capitol. And they opened all the doors for him and he said a prayer for them. And he was saying that he was going to be showing the videos that proves the innocence of many of the people that have been charged on January 6th. And shortly thereafter, Tucker Carlson went goodbye. Yeah, I saw that. Um, you know, I, I know a lot of people have claimed that. I, I watched that video. I honestly thought that the um, the, the January sixth footage that he uh, that he showed on TV was was pretty tame. I, I honestly thought that. Um, I, I mean, again, if he has this footage, he's free to uh, put it out there now. But I, I honestly thought that it really didn't give much new information that we that we that we didn't know. I, I think the vast majority of what he aired was simply new angles on footage that we'd already seen and. Tucker's narrative was honestly, and this is you know my view. I thought it was a little misleading to the viewers. I thought there was a, an opportunity to add some more nuance to the narrative. Um, and I don't look. I'm a Tucker fan, but I don't think he that was one of his uh, finest moments. But you know, maybe you're right. But Robert F. Kennedy Jr. has said he thinks Tucker was partly ousted because of the vaccines. I've said that I think Tucker was partly ousted because he was the only anti-war voice when it comes to uh, Ukraine, Israel and China that was on Fox News in prime time. I kind of tend to think it might be everything. I I think he was just the things that he was routinely saying – were and again we're a little off the beaten path from this video of Kevin Spacey but i think the things that he was routinely saying in those monologues night after night were things that the establishment that runs this country don't want seen and don't want heard and the fact that you know you heard members of congress quoted to mainstream media outlets like politico and the hill thrilled when tucker was especially republicans thrilled when tucker was fired because they said they were getting so much pressure from their constituents to oppose Ukraine aid. See, Tucker was winning them over on issue after issue, and then their constituents would call their members of Congress, and they would put pressure on them. And that was what I think a lot of members of Congress didn't want to do. But again, a little off the beaten path. We explored a lot of that when he was let go. 
800-848-9222. Talking RFK, talking uh, this uh, Tucker Carlson interview with Kevin Spacey, which I, with Frank Underwood, excuse me, which I've posted and which you could take a look at. You know, let me take a break. We'll continue with your questions in a moment, your thoughts, calls, whatever. 800-848-9222, straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. Very appropriately, this is a birthday bumper music selection from my cousin Kathy. Uh, my cousin Kathy is my first cousin once removed. Usually I see her for Christmas Eve, but uh, now she's been going to her stepson's for Christmas Eve the last couple of years, so I didn't get to see her this year. But today is her birthday, and uh, happy birthday, Kathy. We, I certainly missed your baked brie on Christmas Eve. We did have a baked brie. And um, it was not as good as yours, I will say. Hey, I misspoke a couple of minutes ago. I said that Caroline Kennedy was the uh, ambassador to Japan. She is the ambassador to Australia, not Japan. So I, uh, she was previously the ambassador to Japan. Now she's the ambassador to Australia. So I think it doesn't necessarily change what I said about anything, but it is still, uh, you know, still the case. All right. Uh, it is... Uh, the just two days after Christmas, hopefully you had a nice Christmas. We had a great Christmas in, in our house. My son, Carmine, we went to my mom's Christmas day and he got this really cool little electric truck. It looks like a Jeep and he could drive it himself, but you could also have somebody drive it with a remote control. We're keeping it at my mom's because she's got a little bit more space than um, that we than we have at our house. But he was really impressed with that. So um, he got a bunch of other toys from relatives and others as well. So he was having a good time. So much so on Christmas Day, at one point he, without any prompting, said uh, that he was happy, So which, which you always like to see. But I think he was just having a good time in general, not only because of the presents that he was getting, but spending time with a lot of people that he enjoys spending time with and having a lot of uh, great food. So that was fun. I got a – you ready for this? I got a couple of cool gifts. Uh, my wife got me – she fixed this vintage radio that I have. I have this radio from the 1940s that I had purchased at a at an antique shop in Cape May a few years ago, and we used it. It was operational. And then something happened to the the wire – I don't know if it was one of the cats that did it or somebody else, but something happened to the wire. And so really it's still cool to have as a, a decorative piece. But my wife went and had it repaired and uh, she just turned it on on Christmas Day. And you know me, what a radio geek I am. That was really nice. My mom got me 
from my Amazon wish list. And I believe every American should have an Amazon wish list or some sort of wish list. They should be registered somewhere because if you need to buy Tony or Elias or uh, somebody, somebody, anything for their birthday or for Christmas, and you want to know what to get them, what do they have, what do they need, rather than guess and play detective, you can go to this Amazon wish list, which should ideally be pretty exhaustive and see what they need. And then just get something from there. I, that's a great thing. So anyway, one of the things that I had on my Amazon wish list, my mom got for me. And it is so far driving my wife crazy. I had on my Amazon wish list a podium. And my mom got me this podium. I still have to put it together. I'm going to do it today. But it, it's really cool. I, my view is I can. I'm going to do so many more press conferences now. I also got a nice little mic holder, and maybe I'll do some online videos with a podium. I think this is – I've always wanted a podium of my own. Now I finally have one. So that's, uh, that's kind of cool. And my, uh, my wife does not think it's cool at all. She thinks it's a, a waste of space and something that was not at all needed. But um, I was – you know, I, I was a little bummed because I got my friends Bill and Elena – something a christmas gift slash wedding gift they just got married now i met elena once maybe twice before they got married so uh, you know they live in another place now and that's great bill's called into the show he's a great guy good friend so i sent them something and i remember when elena was over at our house for uh brunch she talked about how they had gone to dinner the night before at a restaurant and she was very impressed at the restaurant that they had these fancy tea holders. So I got them a tea holder that holds all these varieties of tea. And I don't know if I made the mistake. It must have been me or if it was a typo. But they get this tea holder before Christmas. They get it in time for Christmas. And it spelled her name incorrectly. It spells it E-L-A-N-A instead of E-L-E-N-A. So I don't know if it's my mistake or theirs. It's probably mine. But I'm, I'm going to have to uh, deal with that today and get that rectified because I did feel bad about that because they did like the, th- the tea holder, but unfortunately it was just the, the wrong name. Hey, um, the rapper formerly known as Kanye West, who had his, legally na- his name legally changed to Ye or Ye two years ago, and has a long history of making anti-Semitic comments, has apologized to the Jewish community in an Instagram post written in Hebrew yesterday. He wrote, I sincerely apologize to the Jewish community for any unintended outburst caused by my words or actions. It was not my intention to offend or demean, and I deeply regret any pain I may have caused. The statement arrives less than two weeks after Yee went on this anti-Semitic rant in Las Vegas while promoting his upcoming album, Vultures, which is due out January 12th. In the rant, which we played for you at the time, he made insinuations about Jewish influence and he compared himself to both Jesus Christ and Adolf Hitler. So there you have it. The Anti-Defamation League, which I, I... I have to be honest, is a group that has very little credibility with me. 
they put out a statement to the Associated Press yesterday saying, after causing untold damage by using his vast influence and platform to poison countless minds with vicious anti-Semitism and hate, an apology in Hebrew may be the first step on a long journey towards making amends to the Jewish community and all those that he has hurt. Ultimately, actions will speak louder than words, but this initial act of contrition is welcome. Now, I I'm skeptical of you know, you know anything involving the ADL honestly um because what we've seen time and again is that um they will forgive you if you're willing to pay them do you remember the the uh, Kyrie Irving anti-semitic comments uh, you remember Kyrie Irving was uh you know he, he was linking to the movie um, Hebrews to Negroes, Wake Up, Black America, which is a an overtly anti-Semitic film. And basically, so Kyrie Irving got criticized by the ADL, paid them a bunch of money, and then they stopped criticizing him. So, I mean, that's kind of what they do. And, and it's not just them. Every group has something that does this. You know, the uh, National Action Network. Al Sharpton was all about uh, hammering Imus, killing Imus. Then what happens? Imus uh, makes some big contributions to the National Action Network. All of a sudden, you don't, you didn't hear him say anything more when Imus wanted to come back to radio. And uh, you see this just time and again, that the surest way to make an allegation of racism or anti-Semitism go away is to write a big check. And I suspect that's what Kanye West is going to do here. You know, I call me skeptical, call me cynical. I'm all for forgiveness. I don't believe this apology is sincere at all. I think this apology would have a lot more credibility if he wasn't releasing an album in two weeks. I think he doesn't want this negative publicity surrounding the anti-Semitic outburst in, you know, in Las Vegas, among elsewhere, among other places, to hurt album sales. That's what I think this is about. Pure and simple. All right. 800-848-9222. Feel free to weigh in on anything we've commented on thus far. Let me say hello to Ray. What's on your mind, Ray? Yes. Hi, Frank. I wanted to comment. I think RFK Jr. should get protection, but... Unfortunately, I think this administration, they are reactionary, like what's going on in Iraq and all over, you know, our ships getting droned and everything, and they're just waiting for somebody to get hurt bad before they really step it up. So I think they're reactionary. So I'd like to hear your opinion. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, thanks, Ray. I I, I don't know why. Look, I mean, I, the protocol calls for 180 days before the election. And I, I think their view is, why should Robert F. Kennedy Jr. be treated differently than any other presidential candidate? I think, And look, I think Mayorkas is telling the truth here when he says he consulted with this bipartisan advisory committee of the leaders in the House and the Senate and the Senate Sergeant-at-Arms, and they didn't think it was necessary. I think they don't think it's necessary because they want him spending his money on private security instead of on campaigning. I think it's a blatantly partisan move. From the Democratic and Republican leadership in Washington. Um, I don't think RFK is just any other presidential candidate. I think given the family history alone, I think he should be entitled to Secret Service protection. I think given the um, polarizing issues 
that he has weighed in on. Issues like COVID, which people get very um, very worked up about. Issues involving uh, all sorts of other things people are very passionate about. Conspiracy theories. I think those are issues that people tend to get a little crazy over on both sides. So I think he definitely should. Al, what's on your mind, Al? Hey, happy holidays. Thank you. You too. Uh, Thank you, sir. Yeah, I was uh, thinking about, you know, politics, unfortunately, attracts a lot of uh, fringe people and and plain nut jobs, okay? So look look at, for instance, and it's something I'm talking on the presidential level. They've had mayors uh, shot. Uh, one was shot in Miami with Frank FDR right in the same car. Was the mayor, I believe, of Chicago there. Uh, uh, you know, was shot there. Uh, governors have been shot, right? Wallace and uh, what was the other one? Um, I just lost my train of thought. Well, obviously anyway, John Connolly, but, yeah, doesn't matter. No, it wasn't Connolly. It was another, another – oh, Huey Long of Louisiana. Oh, right. He was killed, yeah. Yeah, which incidentally, he built the law, the tallest capital in the United States. Can you imagine? Taller than the Statue of Liberty, 450 feet high. It's still uh, the tallest in the whole uh, country. But anyway, look at this. Since 1901, 123 years ago, how many U.S. senators or presidents have been shot? Only two, JFK and RFK. So it stands to reason, you know, and here's the gravitas. And and by my way of thinking, if Trump was really, really, really smart, political savvy, which he is, he should align himself with Trump and um, uh, Kennedy as uh, a running mate, much better than Haley or anybody coming down the road. He has a cachet and a verita, uh, you know, a, a gravitas that uh, it's just a lineage that everybody can say, you know what, Trump may be still a little rough on the edges, but we love his policies. But this guy RFK, even though he doesn't uh, can't speak as uh, clearly as he'd like to, only because of that uh, physical ailment, it would be a stunning ticket. Trump Kennedy would just, I think it would uh, together they're better than either one of them by themselves. He clearly deserves that protection, though. Well, yeah, Al, thank you. Um, my uh, my friend Roger Stone's been talking about the idea of a uh, Trump Kennedy ticket. He's been campaigning for that. I um you know I don't know I could see the I could see the benefits of it for both of them I but to me rather than the political calculus of the election I just think it's the moral thing to do here to give the guy secret service protection to me it, it shouldn't matter whether you like the guy or don't like the guy I think given the family history and the fact that there have been now repeated break-ins at his home from these whacked out supporters and look the fact that he is a major candidate he's polling depending on which poll, you know, you look at it in the 15 to 22 percent range. The guy should have Secret Service protection, in my view. Uh, Patrick, you disagree. Tell me why. Yeah, I disagree because um, Secret Service did a lousy job on both his father and his uh, and his um, uncle, JFK. It was it was under the Secret Service that they both were assassinated. And um, if you look at this uh, documentary with William Cooper, they would show the Secret Service. William Greer, who was the driver at the time of JFK, turned around and and, and shot um, his uncle JFK in the head. So that was another theory. Secret Service is the worst protection. He should always get his own private protection. He shouldn't. <laughs> He, the family history of him getting shot 
with Secret Service is, is the worst thing he can do. Well, that's um, that's so. very interesting. Uh, one, I didn't realize that his uncle um, did not have uh, Secret Service protection. Excuse me. I didn't realize his uncle, no, uh, his father had uh, Secret Service protection in, in 1968. But I'll, I'll defer to you on, um, on that one. But um, uh, the... Look. Sorry, Look at the documentary with 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 um, Bill Cooper uh, in the nineties. You'll see. You'll so see you think the, the Secret Service agent is more the Secret Service is more of a hindrance when it comes to protecting at risk people than they are a help. Well, in his situation with the cabal of the Secret Service and uh, JFK during the sixties. Uh, what occurred to JFK, and then the big cover-up after the assassination, with the uh, with the with the uh, scapegoat being killed, but and then the the, uh, the, the, the the scapegoat's killer being murdered in uh, not being murdered but dying of of a rapid-moving cancer in the jail cell, and then the the cover-up of the bullet wound by um, the head C, the head CIA man at the time, which was Daddy Bush. People don't know that fact. So, well, that was another thing. Um, well, was, George Bush, oil company, right? George Bush was not the head of the CIA in 1963. No, not the head of the CIA, but was an agent, an agent, uh, um, a lead agent in the the in the uh, cover up situation of um, uh, JFK. Also, I'm seeing that, that uh, I'm seeing in 1968 that Robert F. Kennedy did not have Secret Service protection, and that his assassination actually led the Secret Service to start protecting presidential candidates. So, I, I think that part of your theory may not hold water. No, no, JFK had Secret no, Service. No, RFK, Ro- RFK. Okay, no, not from what I'm seeing. Not from not from what I'm seeing. If you could send me something on that, Patrick, I'm I'm not seeing that he had. Secret Service protection. It says uh, from everything that I'm reading, and and this is from um, this is from you know looks like a pretty reputable source here. Uh, Let me see. Uh, This is from an article on the assassination, or actually a book called "Crime Policy in America: Laws, Institutions, and Programs." It says he didn't have it, and that uh, his assassination led to future presidential candidates getting it. So, you know, I'm going to absent any other documentation. I'm going to go with that. But um, I I stand by everything that I said. Nothing that Patrick said convinced me otherwise. I think the guy absolutely should have Secret Service protection. 800-848-9222. And while um, we'll put aside the George Bush aspect of the JFK conspiracy theory as well, because we did that a lot last month when it was the anniversary. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Five open lines if you want to comment. 800-848-9222. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight. It's The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano.
woke up in the morning, love, and the sunlight hurts my eyes. And something without warning, love, bears heavy on my mind. Then I look at you, and the world's all right with me. Just one look at you, and I know it's gonna be a lovely day. Bill Withers singing about what a lovely day it is. Obviously, any day that you get to start with me on the radio is going to be a lovely one, isn't it? Am I right? Uh, this is a uh, birthday bumper music selection from my my cousin Kathy Logan. So uh, if you run into my cousin Kathy today, please wish her a happy birthday and a lovely day indeed. Speaking of birthdays, it is the birthday of uh, Joe from Ronkonkoma's wife, Amy. Uh, Joe from Ronkonkoma is a former listener of the week. And today is the birthday of Amy from Ronkonkoma. So happy birthday to Amy. Hope all of your wishes come true today and always. Going to get back to your phone calls in just a minute. 800-848-9222. One of the things, uh, you know, we had the day off yesterday. So one of the things that I got to do a little bit over the weekend and a little bit yesterday is I got to catch up on a lot of the underrated Christmas films that, Listeners suggested I talked about on Monday's show uh, for our Christmas Day show. And if you didn't hear that show, I thought it was really interesting and really fun. Uh, Please go back and listen to it. But I talked about how I went and saw Christmas Horror Story, which is which I enjoyed immensely. Are there better horror movies? Absolutely. Is it a little cheesy? 100 percent. What horror movie isn't? It is appropriately spooky, though. And as far as a Christmas horror movie that's done, it's great. And as the caller that suggested this mentioned, one of the key people in the film, it's an anthology, basically. There's four stories that are going on uh, at the same time. They're kind of interconnected, all scary, all spooky. The One of the main people is this late-night radio DJ with a heavy drinking habit named Dangerous Dan, played by William Shatner. Now, I mean... A late-night radio DJ played by William Shatner. How am I not going to love this? He's great in it. He's great in it. And you know what I decided And he, he in watching this and Shatner in this dark radio studio? It really did feel a little spooky. I decided I have always, when we've done this show, kept the lights at 100%. I, kept, I keep it like an operating room in here, in part because I feel like it keeps you awake, but in part because I think that um, – it you know, I don't know. You, you can kind of see what's going on a little bit better. And they have they used to have these cameras that were in here, and they would shoot video. And it helps to have more lighting. Well, no camera is shooting me now, so I decided that when the days when we have no camera in here, I'm going to do the kind of stereotypical late night radio thing and keep it dark in here and keep it dim. You know, John Batchelor, when I was working with him, he used to keep it dim. Um, George Weber, same thing. Mark Simone, same thing. They always liked it dark. I, I was always the keep it as bright as can be. These days, unless I start falling asleep on the air, then we'll go back to keeping it bright. But um, I, I, I'm going to start darkening and see how that goes. 
Tony, what do you think of the little mood lighting here? I think maybe it is a little more spooky, a little more con- conducive to overnight radio. Well, you have that that, that late night DJ vibe, like like a right. midnight right. caller. Right. And all you need is um a red light and right. a pretty young lady. Have your wife come in. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And play exactly. some Barry White in the background. So you're digging it. You're liking yeah, this. Yeah, I'm, I'm liking uh, it. Yeah. This, uh, nice and mellow studio. All right. Well, good. So we'll stick with this until uh, until somebody tells me not to. But I'll tell you, one of the other – I saw a couple of films that people recommended. I saw Fred Claus, which I like. It was cute. Um, that's, you know, a little silly, but really played a brilliant performance by both Paul Giamatti and Vince Vaughn. That was fun. But a film that I just loved, and I would not have known about it had a caller not called in about this Friday, which is why I'm glad that we do these segments because hopefully a lot of you get great movie suggestions – just like I did. I had not heard of this film and I would not have known about it, but for the caller calling in, it is this film that came out three or four years ago. It's called the feast of the seven fishes. Let me tell you something. I absolutely love this film. Maybe it's because, you know, this is the time of year and we just went through our own little feast of the seven fishes in, in our house. It was so good. Not a lot of household names in this, but it almost reminded me of Moonstruck. There are some good actors, Paul Ben Victor, Joe Pantoliano. The rest of them are younger actors that you might not have heard of. I, When I was watching this, I was thinking it's impossible to be from an Italian background and not love this picture. But after watching it, I think any immigrant background, if your parents or grandparents immigrated here from another country... You're going to find aspects of this that you that resonate with you. So I recommend it strongly. Help control the pet population. Get your dog or cat spayed or neutered.